Hello, and welcome to The Point Being, a weekly podcast from Ipsos with all your need to know updates on what is happening in the world of public opinion. This week, I'm joined by my fellow data journalist, Sarah Feldman. Hi. And I'm Kate Morris, another data journalist at Ipsos. And we're also joined this week by Chris Jackson. Greetings. Our research lead at Ipsos. Um, Sarah, can you break down what's happening this week and what's current? Yeah, so what we're going to be talking about this week, uh, we saw some record highs from our consumer confidence tracker. People are feeling really good about the economy, but we're seeing some looming problems in some of our COVID trackers around vaccine hesitancy. So we're going to dive into what this means, what we can expect. But to start us off, we'll we'll start on a good note. We'll start with the positive. Um, Chris, the, the our consumer tracker registered a 19-year high. And I'm wondering if people are really feeling this good about the economy right now. Yeah, so the Ipsos Forbes uh, consumer confidence tracker, it's a weekly consumer confidence tracker. Uh, we've been fielding since the start of the pandemic, and that ties into a monthly consumer confidence tracker. We fielded it since 2002. Uh, is, is an index that's really a basket of 10 individual questions. Um, and each of those 10 questions we can kind of combine in different ways to sort of look at different ways people think about the economy. Uh, and the piece that's reached that near 20-year high is actually the expectations index uh, within that consumer confidence uh, tracker. And the expectations index is really a series of questions asking people what they think the next six months are going to be like. Um, and and we've hit a high point there, uh, higher than you know essentially any point we'd seen, including before the pandemic started last uh, last January and February, um, or before the Great Recession in you know the the early 2000s, early mid 2000s. And part of that is because people are in fact feeling very optimistic about the direction of the economy, and we are seeing majorities of Americans thinking that the economy is going to be better over the next six months, but also that is partially a factor of how the question is built and that, you know, we're asking them to think about how things are now and what they think things are going to be like six months from now. And because this last year has been so topsy-turvy uh, and there's been so much sort of tumult, it's actually, I think, probably inflating a little bit people's sort of expectations for things to change relative to what we may have seen uh, over the last couple of years. And I think it's really important just to keep in mind that this expectation sub-index isn't necessarily the same thing as people's actual reality of their sort of economic experience or their economic confidence being good and positive, which it is, but but the expectations is 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 really more about sort of that sense of optimism or what they think is coming, not necessarily reality. So it sounds like expectations are a bit more kind of abstract than some of the concrete hard realities of- That's right your job, your finances, that kind of thing. That's right. Um, but when we look at who is the most optimistic about this semi-distant future, which demographics are you say driving, would you say are driving um, some of that kind of incredible surge in optimism that we've been seeing? 
Yeah, so, you know, it is pretty broad-based, which is a positive thing, generally speaking, that we're seeing a lot of people feeling more positive about what the next six months are going to look like. But it's increasingly clear that this particular piece of consumer confidence is really strongly tied to politics and partisanship. Um, When we look at the change over the last year, so essentially from April of last year, sort of right after the pandemic started and we sort of got to the bottom to March of this year. So, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, um, we can see that the biggest change, the group that's changed the most in terms of how optimistic they are are Democrats um, who've increased almost 20 points on this zero to 100 scale, um, which is a pretty profound and substantial change. Um, And at the same time, the group that has seen the biggest decline in their amount of optimism is Republicans who've dropped 10 points in the same period of time. Um, And if you sort of look real close at the time series, it isn't even necessarily the last year. It's really November 2020 where we see a lot of this movement happening. And and November 2020 wasn't really so much about the pandemic as it was about an election. Um, So, you know, we can see how much that economic expectations, economic optimism is, yes, is tied to the pandemic, is tied to the economic recovery, but is also very much tied to uh, partisanship in which which party controls the White House at any given point in time or the government writ large. Um, and we see that here with, with, with Democrats being much more optimistic and Republicans being less best, a little less you know, a little more pessimistic. Um, I do think the thing that's worth noting, though, is that the decline in Republicans is not the same size as the increase in Democrats. Democrats are up 20, Republicans are down 10. So that leaves us with a net sort of increase. And that's why we're seeing this sort of this record high. Um, And we're seeing these sort of increases, you know, pretty much across the board. uh, But they are, you know, uh, they are most prominent with groups that are sort of a little bit higher socioeconomic status. So if you put partisanship aside, right, it's people sort of at the top of the distribution. So people with college degrees, people who live in major cities, um, you know, people that are sort of prime working age, so 18 to 34, 35 to 54, um, and they're much less pronounced with people who are sort of uh, lower down the socioeconomic status uh, chain. So like people without a college degree have only increased a little bit. Um, uh, And in fact, older people, people over the age of 55 have actually gone down slightly as have retired people have gone down slightly um, over the last year. So I do think there is, you know, a little bit of a story of the impact of wealth and how wealthy people have been able to recover more quickly than than uh, working class folks. But really, this expectations index is really the story of the political year more than it is the economic year. Um, but I think the last thing that's important to keep in mind with this, you know, record expectations number is we've seen expectations sort of go up really quickly in the past. Uh, sometimes, but if it doesn't end up being supported by real life improvements and conditions, real life sort of uh, people feeling that, like their finances are getting better, it can crash just as quickly. It's a very volatile and in, 
index an indicator within our consumer confidence thing. So, so if people's expectations aren't met, you know, this, this may come down just as quickly as it's gone up. Yeah. And that's such an important point to note as, you know, we are largely in, in an inflection point for the country right now between the economic growth and strides we're making. And this next phase really hinges on some emergence to normal ish pre COVID life, whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. And what's really lying at the heart of that, Chris, is like vaccination and getting people vaccinated. So I'm wondering if you could walk us through who right now doesn't want to get vaccinated. Yeah, so the the U.S. vaccination effort has been going at a really fast clip lately, you know, over two million shots a day in the last weekend. It almost hit five million shots on Saturday that were distributed. Um, and we're, we're getting through a big chunk of the population. And I think the concern is that we're starting to run out of the people who are sort of easy to get vaccinated, the ones who essentially, like, if you just give them an opportunity, they're going to go out and get a shot. And we're starting to get much more into uh, the populations that are uh, reluctant to get the vaccine, either because of concerns or because of uh, challenges actually just accessing it, or the people who are just hard no or a hard pass audience um, that are that are uh, people who say they're not at all likely to get the vaccine. And a lot of the discussion in recent weeks has started focusing on politics as an explanation for that. Um, earlier on in the vaccination effort, there was a lot of focus on race and ethnicity and educational attainment. And I think there are some good reasons for that. Um, but increasingly, uh, Republicans are sort of being seen as sort of a focus of anti-vaccination efforts. Um, and our data certainly supports that, but uh, there's actually some some aspects that are even kind of more interesting that we've uncovered looking at our Axios Ipsos coronavirus index. And that's looking at how people consume information, um, where they get their news from. Uh, and if you look at Americans who essentially don't consume news from any sort of major news source, uh, that is, they don't, you know, follow any of the cable news outlets, they don't follow any major newspapers, they don't follow local news, uh, they don't follow, you know, news radio, they really, you know, they, they consume news either not at all or from very sort of niche sort of channels, 50% of people like that say they're not at all likely to get the vaccine. Right. So, you know, we're talking maybe a third of Republicans say they're not likely to get it. But 50 percent of these people who don't consume news on a regular basis uh, say that they're not likely to get the vaccine. And that's really, I think, the core of some of this this vaccine wall is people who are just that unplugged from the national conversation that that the national debates um after that it's people who primarily get their news from uh conservative online media so that's the the breitbarts and the daily callers and the you know those sort of organizations of the world 38 percent of people who go to those sources as their primary source of news are not at all likely to get the vaccine so that's much more sort of that 
core of that group that we were just talking about, sort of the Trump Republicans that are sort of hostile to the pandemic just as a concept and, and the vaccine. But really, it's a it's sort of astounding that actually it's not necessarily the partisanship. It's people who are just absolutely unplugged from uh, from sort of society is, is really some of the, the core of that. Um, and then looking past the news, there's also some of those barriers that we talked about, like people who have a high school education or less are certainly more likely to refuse the vaccine. Um, young people under the age 34 are less engaged or less interested in getting the vaccine. Um, and then when you start to sort of look at the people who are more likely to get the vaccine than average, you know, you're looking actually at Minority Americans, uh, black or Hispanic, are now actually more likely than average to to want to get the vaccine. Older people very much getting the vaccine and people who follow sort of your traditional mainstream media. So, you know, your your CNNs and MSNBCs and New York Times um, or people who follow just their local news uh, are, are among the ones most likely to be getting the vaccine. Um, so there are some really interesting uh, patterns about that vaccine wall. And it's not even, it's, it's really actually, I think, interesting that it's not even necessarily as strongly about partisanship as it is about being part of society uh, writ large. And I think the big, the big concern is, you know, 20% of Americans, about one in five are essentially in this group that says hard no to the vaccine. Uh, about one in two parents right now are saying that they're not at all are not very likely to get their kids vaccinated as soon as they're eligible, um, which will probably be happening a little bit later this year. Um, and then there's about 10% of adults who say that they're not very likely to get the vaccine, but they could be persuaded. So they're sort of a little bit harder to get uh, get across the, the finish line. So if you sort of add all that together, you know, we're looking at a situation where we may get to 60, 65% of the population vaccinated um, before we start to get to these groups that are really hard to get into. And that may be well short of that herd immunity level we need for the pandemic to sort of quote unquote be over. And I think that's sort of the, the big challenge with the vaccination effort at the moment. Yeah, that's a really important point. Um, and given these disparities, it sounds like there will be just kind of pockets of part of the country where people are less vaccinated and others are, are, more, are more likely to have been vaccinated. What do you think that will, what do you think the implications are then for how society kind of moves forward? Yeah, so I think that actually really returns us back, Kate, to the, the first part of the sort of the expectations. And, you know, what we're seeing in our data, like our Axios Ipsos data, is the people who are unvaccinated are not staying at home. They're not really doing anything different to sort of protect themselves uh, from getting the virus. Um, and while the people who are vaccinated certainly are getting out a little bit more, they're certainly still a little slow to do so. And I think the big question mark for the next couple of months is, will the pandemic sort of continue to sort of cook along here at some relatively high level uh, where, you know, we we're in a sort of situation where people sort of keep expecting it to be over, but it's just not because there is this 
you know, 20, 30, 35% of the country who's not vaccinated, who's susceptible to it. Um, and we still see, you know, 50, 60,000 new cases a day and, you know, several hundred to a thousand people dying a day. Um, I think that's sort of the risk is that if we get in an environment like that, then sort of all of this enthusiasm people have, all this excitement about sort of getting back to normal may not pan out. And then we see the expectations sort of crash and we see this sort of roaring 20s everybody's sort of gearing up for may not really come to pass anytime soon. And that becomes a much bigger challenge for the country to recover. Right. But like so many other aspects of the pandemic, it's things could change <laughs> rapidly and in directions that we don't anticipate or expect. Um, so That's we'll right. be tracking. Yeah. Sorry. That's a good point. I, that's a good point. Like the the J and J vaccine announcement the FDA came out with, which we'll have some data on probably in the next week or so, is like one of those speed bumps, right? That no one really anticipated. Um, you know, six six cases out of almost seven million doses is not actually a pretty particularly high level of incidence. It's actually, you know, lower than the incidence of clots associated with birth control usage. But you know, I understand they're trying to be cautious. Um, but that's one of those sort of instances of like, are we going to see sort of reversals in this vaccination efforts that may cause this thing to drag out and us not to be able to sort of get to that that sort of normalcy we're all craving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it certainly kind of adds to the general confusion and um, leaves more space for those conspiracy theories and misinformation that we've been seeing. Um, but as always, we'll be tracking um, this and other other important measures of society uh, going forward. And um, thanks to all of you for listening in to this week's edition of the point being um, we missed Mallory this week but hopefully she'll be back with us uh, next time and in the meantime you can follow all our data and releases on the Ipsos News and Polls website and of course you can find us on Twitter at Ipsos US I'm Kate Morris I'm Sarah Feldman and I'm Chris Jackson and you can follow Thanks. me on Twitter at Callison Morris and I'm at um, JCB Jackson, and you can see all of our stuff on our website at ipsos.com. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. Take care. Thanks.